This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I was just pleased in general that, you know, after just one spring, we were able to come out here and, and uh, you know, get in some formations, run some plays. Some of it looked like football pretty much. That's that's pretty good. For Coach Riley's sake and the, the current staff's sake, I hope we do really well. At the front of my mind is, you know, I'm a member of this team, and I know every guy on here wants to win a championship. You know, every, every guy on here wants to win all of them. To answer your question, no. I, I don't think many guys feel the pressure to, to not lose but we're all feeling the pressure. We all want to win. We all want to go out there and kick some ass this year. I mean, it's, it was a good day. It's different, you know, everything's different here now, but, um, you know, it was fun. Uh, and it was just, you know, great to get back out there again. You know, I take that as motivation, so it, it really isn't anything that I can say about that, but, you know, I'm, I'm, putting the, I'm putting it out there by doing it, by being that quarterback, by being that guy that's leading my team, leading my team to win eight or nine games a season. You know, we, we're trying, we're going out there, we're doing everything that we can, and we got new coaches, so that's what we're going to do. And that sets the stage here for another edition of the HuskerOnline.com podcast. A week of Mike Riley's fall camp now in the books. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus says, we're on the fun part of the HOL podcast. We get to talk football. We get it. We've seen a lot of practices, and uh, we are going to dedicate most of this show uh, talking fall camp and things that have happened here uh, just over the course of this opening week. And guys, I, I want to start off the discussion uh, just some, some big general storylines. And, and the first thing I want to get to is Kerry Eggers, uh, a writer, a longtime writer out in Portland, um, had an all-access kind of behind-the-scenes look of the Nebraska football program, Dan, and uh, what, what what was the main things that he reported in there about the suspensions? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting article um, from the Portland Tribune. Uh, go check it out. But he uh, kind of mentioned something. It's actually kind of near the bottom of the article where uh, Coach Riley is talking to um, someone in the football offices and asks who's going to be missing for the first game. And, uh, and the person responds that it's going to be five – players there are going to be five suspensions including one defensive starter this is something that you know hadn't really been publicized before this and now it's it's out there in print so uh you know i think that there are people who will speculate and maybe you know have somewhat of an idea what these names are but they haven't been officially announced yet yeah it, it's been something nate and robin that that's been discussed in the summer that there could be some academic type suspensions or whatever uh, with some key guys, and I'm not going to speculate on names because it's not fair to those guys because we could be wrong on the names that have been speculated. Uh, but, yeah, this could be a very, very interesting opener um, if a starter on defense, a key starter, is not available because we know some of those positions on defense, uh, there's not a lot of margin for error. Well, one of the things that, you know, we have all heard, uh, you know, over the course of the offseason was, you know, during the initial uh, coaching change, there were a lot of guys that kind of just checked out a little bit. You know, they weren't attending classes as regularly as, you know, maybe they probably should have. And I think their grades suffered as a result. And so some guys, you know, maybe uh, once they finally got to know what the coaching staff, the new staff was going to be like, they decided to turn it around and, uh, you know, refocus on school. But maybe it was a little bit too late for some of them. And maybe these are some of the consequences we're starting to see from that. Nate, uh, th- there was also something else in the article about a, a freshman linebacker struggling with the idea of redshirting. And there's four freshman linebackers on the team, so it's hard to say for sure. 
Uh, but that's a delicate slope as well. And uh, just information reported by Kerry Eggers that we don't normally get access to. Well, this is the time of year where any incoming freshman is kind of struggling a little bit, you know, being away from home. Um, you know, they've never been through the process like this before, you know, and where it's it's mentally taxing, physically taxing. And, you know, just watching, you know, body language of some of those linebackers, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Adrian Talon may be uh, struggling a little bit uh, and kind of, you know, going through those issues right now. Sean Callahan, Dan Hopp, and Nate Klaus, Robin Washett. This is the HuskerOnline.com podcast. We're starting things off with the major storylines here uh, through one week of fall camp. And, guys, that, that's the, the breaking news that, that came out here uh, earlier on Thursday. Uh, let, let's move on now from just big picture things we've seen. And, um, you know, I, I want to start just with the overall atmosphere, just the culture around practice. What's been for you guys? And uh, we'll start with you, Robin, first, uh, the biggest thing you've noticed. I think it's just more comfort with the staff. You know, I think a lot of guys – uh, especially, you know, those non-solidified starters, there was such pressure to not make mistakes. And, you know, we saw that in games when, you know, guys would get their opportunity and, you know, have a mental breakdown immediately be pulled for the rest of the game, if not the, the next few games after that. And so I think that that has kind of gone away with this new staff, especially with, you know, their, um, you know, willingness to run that two-team uh, format in practice. Guys are getting a lot more reps. And I think it's just a boost bolstered the confidence of a lot of players that might not otherwise get the opportunities they've seen so far. I just like a lot what we've seen from the new coach's style. I mean, we've got, you know, a couple guys on the staff who are kind of boisterous, you know, guys like Keith Williams and uh, Mike Cavanaugh. I like Keith Williams. Yeah, if they see a play that they like or a play that they don't like, they're not afraid to run out on the field and, you know, either pat a guy on the back and say, great job, or say, hey, no, this is what you need to be doing. I like to see that energy, but just kind of the teaching that you see all the time. I mean, when Tommy comes off the field, he's heading over to Danny Langsdorf right away, and they're, and they're running through things. When the defensive backs come off the field, Brian Stewart is going to you know, grab Josh Kalou or Chris Jones or one of those younger guys and talk to them. I think that's kind of – not that the old staff didn't do that so much, but that's something I've really noticed with these new guys, just the teaching aspect. Well, that's Dan, you kind of hit on what I was going to say. You know, when Mike Riley was hired, he said he wanted to hire the best teachers out there, the experts in their field. And every day in practice, you you see, you know, the linebackers going through, um, you know, Coach Bray teaching these guys, you know, minute details on, on uh, you know, different techniques. And, and uh, you know, Mike Cavanaugh going through things like that with the offensive line. I think that uh, these guys are teaching, you know, uh, you know from the from the ground up. And uh, it's a much more relaxed atmosphere. And, and I think everyone's, you know, pretty much by into to what's going on. You're listening here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. And guys, one of the things I've noticed is strength coach Mark Phillip. This guy is a key, key figure in this program right now with just the culture he's building uh, behind the scenes and, and just the tone he sets to get practice going. I, I've been so impressed just watching him. You know, the first day he stood out there, handshaked, hugged, bro-hugged, Fly, did flying chest bumps with every single guy that came out onto the field. And you can just tell the players like him. And then it's the first 20 minutes or whatever, that's his time in practice. And and he gets that place going. And I, I really like what I've seen out of uh, Mark Phillip. Yeah, he obviously commands respect just with the persona he puts <laughs> off. But uh, I think he also ha has really bonded with those players just in the way that he's approached uh, the strength and conditioning program, kind of reshaped uh, the whole process of how they go about that. I mean, it's not just so much a, an idea of, you know, how much weight you can push up. It's, it's your form and, you know, doing more explosive type lifts, Olympic style lifts 
that are getting guys into more football shape as opposed to just being big, bulky, uh, you know, weight room dudes. Uh, they're actually coming out and turning out better athletes. And I think the players are seeing the results, and that's going a long way, and them really buying into to what the strength and conditioning program is doing. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus says, uh, we set the tone here uh, with this opening week of fall camp. Uh, we're going to come back here in the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk specifically more on the offense and, and just some of the storylines that have emerged on the offense. That's next here. You're listening to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Hey, how far has Jamal Turner come from the spring? 10,000 years. He's, he's, I'm very pleased with him. He's throughout in the spring he was hurt, so that that was the first thing, and he's changed his body. He's a little heavy. Now. He's a little heavy. He's real lean now. He looks quicker. He looks faster. He looks more shifty. He looks like the kind of player that I was told he was, you know, before before I got here, and I never saw it because in spring he was banged up and he really didn't get. He, I don't know if he even ended at 100 percent, even though he he had a halfway decent game in the spring game. I don't think he was 100 percent, and so uh, I'm really pleased with his progress, and he's even he's even progressed since campus started. And back here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast, that was wide receivers coach Keith Williams talking about the progress and kind of the surprise emergence of Jamal Turner after really being slowed the last two years. I mean, we haven't seen Jamal Turner make an impact on this football team since the 2012 season when Nebraska played in the Big 12 championship game. And it looks like he's a guy that wants to play and have a big senior year. Uh, as he's uh, Keith Williams joked, you've been here 10 years. Make a play, son. <laughs> <laughs> but Jamal Turner, uh, I'm, I'm excited, guys, uh, that he, that he's making an impact right now. Well, the thing that kind of comes out of all these minor receiver injuries that we've seen is that other guys are going to be getting more reps with those top units. And I think Jamal Turner is one of those guys, and I think he's kind of taken that opportunity and run with it. Him and Alonzo Moore both have had some pretty good moments over the last couple of practices as guys like Jordan Westerkamp and DeMornay Pearsonell and Tariq Allen have kind of sat out with some minor injuries. These other guys have come in and taken advantage. Yeah, let's stay on receivers. We're going to go through the positions on the offense, but um, you know, I think everybody would agree the top three are, are DeMornay Pearsonell, Jordan Westerkamp, Brandon Riley. When they go three wide, that's the starting three, but it's that next three to four uh, that's intriguing. We mentioned Jamal Turner. We definitely have to put Stanley Morgan in that conversation, Alonzo Moore. Any other names I'm missing, guys, that you think should be in that upper six group right now? Well, you know, I've always been on the big Lane Hovey train, and I think when it comes to those third down plays, I'm telling you, he's got the body that just they don't have in that receiver group. I mean, he's tall, physical, athletic, with a big vertical jump that uh, has great hands, and I think that he's going to find a way to find himself on the field in some situations. His roles. targets have been a little limited, though. Yeah, I know, unfortunately. He had a lot more looks in the spring, it seems like. Well, uh, maybe the only other one guy I would throw on there is LeVon Olsen, yes. although he doesn't look quite as ready to play as Stanley Morgan does, I think. Keith Williams is going to have to spend a little bit more time with him. But I tweeted this the other night. I, if nobody's driving the Stanley Morgan bandwagon yet, I, I will volunteer for that job. He has looked really, really good so far. I think he's going to play right away and have an impact. And what impresses me, Nate, there really isn't a bad guy in the group. I mean, Brady Pelzer, a walk-on freshman, redshirt freshman from Bellevue East, he's looked good, and he's probably the bottom of the receiver group right now. Yeah, I mean, from top to bottom, uh, tons of talent there, and uh, and these guys are are hungry. They look like the they're eager to please their coach, and and when they do please them, you know, Keith Williams is the first guy to run, you know, sixty yards down the field and give him love.
love. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to, to watch this group uh, compete and, and go out there and get it every day at practice. My favorite, I don't know, was it LeVan Austin was dancing too much in the open field and Keith Williams gets out on the rap, there's rap music blaring and he just starts busting out in full dance movie. He goes, that's what you look like. <laughs> So he he's, he's definitely character. Uh, the character. Now let, let's let's shift over to the guys throwing the ball to the receivers, quarterbacks, and it hasn't been pretty the last few practices. Lots of installation, offensive line breakdowns, receiver injuries. You know Jordan Westerkamp, Demorne Pearsonell, Sam Birch, uh, they've all been out. Tariq Allen has been out with minor injuries. Uh, Birch will be out for the remainder of fall camp. Uh, but it's it, the the quarterback play starting with Tommy Armstrong has not been consistent. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, you know X factors you got to take into account when really evaluating the quarterbacks. For one, like you mentioned, they did they started off fall camp with four straight days of installation, so that's a lot to process. I mean, no matter no matter how much work and studying those guys did over the summer and spring, I mean that that's still a lot to just filter out and uh, really know what to do out there. So that that's that's one thing. And then we talked about the receiver injuries. Uh, you know, Tuesday they were with without four of their top wide receivers. Uh, Sam Birch was in that mix as well, was sitting out. And so, like, you're throwing to guys like a Brady Pelzer. And so, I mean, the, the chemistry's just not there, as there would be with a Jordan Westerkamp or a DeMornay Pearsonell. And lastly, uh, on Tuesday, uh, I know that they were doing – uh, a lot of uh, situational stuff, third and long type stuff. So, I mean, that, that that's really kind of setting guys up in, in tough situations and really seeing how they handle those high-pressure uh, situational drills. And so there, there's a lot of things that you got to kind of uh, take with a grain of salt when truly evaluating the performance of the quarterback so far. Well, and don't forget the offensive line. I mean, that that's a group that is currently being tinkered with. They're trying some different pieces in different places. I think we can all agree that the defensive line has – pretty thoroughly dominated the offensive line to this point I mean there are a lot of plays where Tommy drops back and he's got a couple guys in his face immediately obviously that's something that you know you got to be prepared to deal with as a quarterback but it's not ideal to have it on you know 70 percent of your plays the other thing I'll say guys that number two quarterback job I mean it's it's a grab bag I think most of us thought Riker Fife was out of the mix uh, because he missed the summer workouts for uh, whatever reasons um, and Darlington and Bush would be kind of the co-number twos. But really, there's three guys almost on equal footing where nobody has the edge, Nate. Yeah, each day, you know, uh, you can kind of point to one of those quarterbacks and say, yeah, maybe he has the upper hand on on that backup spot. But uh, really, like you said, it's been a grab bag, um, you know, and, and none of those guys have, have really taken hold of it yet. Let's let's move now over to the running back position. And, and this was another one going into camp. Terrell Newby was kind of dubbed the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, but after about a week's worth of practices, Robin, uh, there's been a few guys, starting with Mikael Wilbon, that have really shown out. It's funny because, you know, going into fall camp, I mean, even going back into the spring, you know, Mikael Wilbon was kind of that fourth odd man out. You know, when you're talking about the, the returning guys that are going to factor into this running back rotation, I think most assumed it was going to be a three-headed monster with, you know, newbie Imani Cross and Adam Taylor. But uh, Mikael Wilbon just refuses to, to go away. I mean, he, he makes play after play every practice we see. And uh, I really think that he could be a factor this season, potentially as a potential as a third down type guy who, because he's so good as a receiver out of the backfield, and he's got that bounce to the outside in the zone read game that uh, really just makes him a playmaker out there. Dan, I also like what Jordan Stevenson has shown a little bit at times. Uh, we know he's out of shape, but you can just see 
the potential this guy has once he gets um, into a you know better condition. Yeah, I think you know so much has been reported about his weight and stuff that I think people have kind of missed the point that he actually looks really good that out there. That jump cut he makes. Yeah, he's very very quick, but you can see the power too. I think you see with a lot of young running backs. You know, in high school, they were able to use their speed so much because they were just faster than everyone else. They just want to take it to the outside and run around everyone, and then they get to college and can't do that. Well, Jordan Stevenson isn't one of those guys. He will go in between the tackles, and he'll try and run guys over. I think that's pretty important. Like you mentioned, when once he gets in better shape, this kid's going to be just fine. And let's move now. Uh, you're listening here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett. Uh, we're talking offense here through a week. Uh, let's get over and out of the offensive line. And, and we mentioned uh, earlier here on the quarterbacks uh, some of the struggles they've had is because some of the problems on that line with just continuity – um, Zach Stirrup, Ryan Reeves have come back off injuries. Um, there's just been a lot of shuffling, Nate, when, when you look at this offensive line. Um, and I think the right tackle one is maybe the spot where they're, they don't really know what direction they want to go. Yeah, over the past few practices, Nick Gates has been, you know, uh, the, the the guy who's really stepped up. Redshirt freshman, um, you know, has kind of emerged as possibly, you know, the guy to take over at that right tackle spot over Zach Stirrup. And, and I think, um, you know, you have to give the edge to him uh, just due to his athleticism. He's maybe he's not as big, uh, not as strong as Stirrup, but he's uh, he's more athletic, I think, right now. And, and he's been looking really good uh, going up against uh, guys like Greg McMullen, uh, both in one-on-one situations and team situations. Yeah, you just get the sense when they plugged him in there and he did well, Robin, that they're they're pretty high on Nick Gates at that right tackle spot. Well, if eyeball test, he passes everything you could look for. I mean, even the Big Ten Network guys that were uh, in attendance for practices earlier this week raved about him. They said that this guy is going to be a player down the road, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he wins that starting job at right tackle. Now, two guys, Dan, that look solid are Alex Lewis, Chungo Condolo. We mentioned right tackle tackle um you know that that other guard spot i think it's the left guard is dylan utter it looks like he's the guy maybe dj yep. foster mm-hmm. uh, but the right guard chungo center is is kind of the one where you know you think it could be ryan reeves but you know there's other guys in the mix including paul thurston yeah paul thurston's kind of been a guy who has taken some first team reps that we've seen and unfortunately with ryan reeves i think he's a really talented kid but you've always kind of got that that worry about injury, that cloud just kind of hanging over him just because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. I think if he can stay healthy, he can be a pretty solid center, but it's been a major uh, – it's something that's held him back in his career to this point. Luckily not in fall so far, but you just got to keep your fingers crossed. And Mike Cavanaugh has said he he is comfortable usually just playing a group of five. He's not a big rotational guy. And in the past, we, we, we've seen the old staff – they would do the rotating, the, the non-conference games, and then once the big games hit in the Big Ten season, they would get away from the rotation. So I think this staff wants to stick with five, and uh, that's why these next two weeks will be big. Well, when we come back here on the podcast, we will shift over and give you the latest news that's come out of fall camp on defense. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Um, I got one thing to say, though. This is for all media, all media that has put my name out there at all. I'm not a backup. I haven't been a backup since my redshirt freshman year, so I'd appreciate it if you guys didn't publish that, didn't put that out there as me as a backup. I'm not a backup, okay? I've been hurt twice, and that set me back, but I've never been a backup, okay? So just to get that straight, I don't want my name out there anymore unless you got something good to say and you got me in there as a number one spot because I am not a backup and never have been. This is my redshirt freshman year. That's all I got to say, and I won't do any more interviews until y'all get that right. Thank you very much. And that was Kevin Williams 
senior defensive tackle and we got the uh, the point he's not a backup <laughs> and welcome back to the huskeronline.com podcast sean callahan robin washett dan hopp and nate klaus and we're going to start defense with that on the defensive line because um, it was quite the statement on day one uh, the big fifth year senior uh, out of ohio uh, kind of had his bo pelini moment there in front of the microphones and and just um, told everybody what he thought and uh, it was it was one of the more unique things, Dan. Uh, you were in the in the grouping there, and there's a very good gif of Dan Hoppin. <laughs> I'm a big fan of whoever made that. By the way, just being stone faced as Kevin Williams just walked right by. Dan you. wasn't flustered. Well, it was. I mean, it was just so shocking. I don't think any of us even knew how to react. You know, I've only been on the beat about six years now, but you talk to guys who have been on it for even 20, 25 years, and they say they've never seen a guy, you know, just come out and make that kind of statement, not take any questions or anything, but. You know what? In these last couple of days, Vincent Valentine's been sitting out. Kevin Williams has been playing he's with the starters. He's not a backup. He is, he is not a backup right now. And you know what? He's not playing like a backup either. I think he's played pretty darn well. Yeah, that defensive tackle position. I mean, we, we, we could do a whole show on how dominant they are in general, led by Malik Collins. Uh, you know, Vincent Valentine, any concern, Robin Nate, with him being out? I mean, you hope he gets back here sooner rather than later. Yeah, they continue to say it's a bruised knee or a knee contusion, as Mike Wright likes to say. But uh, I'm concerned about a bruised knee that's forced you to miss every single fall camp practice. And uh, on Tuesday when we were there, he didn't even have a jersey on. So there, there was no no effort in him even to try to get on the field. So I, I'm anxious to see how this thing progresses and hopefully they can get him on the field because obviously going looking at Vince's uh, history you know conditioning was a big thing for him and the fact that he's missing so much time and so many reps uh, has got to be a bit of a red flag for him right now well you know you do have to worry about it Um, you know obviously you don't want anybody to lose any time you know the good thing is is that you do have a guy like Kevin Williams there who who really has stepped up and um, you know and and even though he may have been a backup in the past um, you know you you try to draw motivation from wherever you can get it, and obviously he he's uh, he has a chip on his shoulder, and he's been playing like a guy who's who's wanting to make a statement this year, and and you know Vincent Valentine's kind of allowing him to do it. We're talking defensive storylines here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast. I want to stick on the D line at defensive end. We know Jack Gangwish is solidified in there as a senior captain starter. Greg McMullen, who's a little heavy right now, uh, close to about three hundred pounds, is your other guy. I still have concerns though. Who else is going to play? Freedom Akamundum and Joe Keel. What AJ Natter? Um, you know, we just haven't seen enough from these guys. Deshaun Neal's in there. Uh, you've got other players. Um, where that to me still is a big question. Well, I think the one bit of good news is uh, the praise Ross deserves has been getting, especially from Jack Gangwish, who uh, Jack called Ross the most fundamentally sound football player he's ever been around. I mean, the guy just doesn't make mistakes. He's a true student of the game. And, uh, Coach is well, Yeah, while he might lack you know, some of the same physical tools as other guys in that room, uh, you know that he's going to do everything in his power to know exactly where to be and what to do on every single play. And uh, you know that, I think, is going to get him onto the field. And, Dan, they have the ability to even put Malik Collins on the end. I mean, I think that's the versatility he brings. And I wouldn't be surprised if Hank Hughes got creative at times and moved uh, – Malik around. Well, yeah, especially because we've talked about the strength of these defensive tackles. They've got so much more depth at that position. You know, if Malik is open to playing a few snaps on the outside and if he proves that he can do that, yeah, sure. Nebraska might have to because none of these other guys behind him are really stepping up. And that's why 
you know, in the opener being against BYU, you don't have that luxury probably to to really develop and play a lot of guys because we everybody I think agrees the BYU game is going to be a uh, it, could, it could be a very tough ball game, tight game. They really don't know what you're going to get. I mean, it's kind of a coin flip, and um, you need kind of all hands on deck. So, uh, um, you know, it'd be nice if some guys were able to to emerge over the next coming weeks uh, to to give you a little bit more flexibility. Um, you know, to to have some guys making plays out there for that week one game. You're listening here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast, sticking on defense. Let's go over to linebacker, and I, I think this has been um, one of the real surprises. Just the way these guys have played, Josh Banderas has played like what we thought Josh Banderas um, should be playing like. He had a nice interception the other night, um, just really making plays, showing his speed. And Michael Rose-Ivy has come out there. Dedrick Young has looked good. Marcus Newby. Um, it's really, Robin, been a talented group for these linebackers. That front line is legit. And if they continue to play the way they have been, I think Nebraska's starting lineup is going to be really good. And, you know, obviously Dedrick Young has uh, helped at least give a fourth guy in that mix. But the issue is, you know, heaven forbid any one of those guys goes down, well, who's going to step up behind them? They got a lot of young guys that are still just, you know, trying to want to adjust to college football and learn this defense. And as, uh, you know, much as the players say, it's, it's a simplified version it's still a complex defense and especially at that linebacker spot i mean there, there's a lot of responsibilities there so uh it's it's the, the depth behind that front line is probably still a concern as it was going into camp nate when you look at the true freshman uh we know dedrick young's gonna play but the other three guys adrian talent talent tyron ferguson muhammad berry um even uh, noah lazaro who's on the 105 do you see any of these true freshmen having a chance to, to get on the field well just Due to the the depth or lack of depth, I, I think Taron Ferguson is definitely a guy who's going to play this year, uh, for sure on special teams. Uh, he came in physically ready, and uh, and I'm, what I what's really impressed me about him is is uh, you know just how vocal he is. He he's communicating on every play out there on the defense, and after that play, he's getting with his teammates, getting with his coaches, trying to figure out what everyone was seeing, what everyone was doing, and uh, is always learning. So he's definitely going to play, and wouldn't be surprised if uh, Muhammad Barry also plays out of that you know uh, group of true freshmen uh, you know that were you know coming coming into the fall let's move now to the back end in the secondary and, and we'll start off uh dan with joshua kalu i think when you look at guys that have played well in the secondary at corner uh, you could argue Kalu has been maybe uh, as impressive as any guy we've seen in camp. I would say right now he's been, at least from what the media have gotten to watch, the best cover corner on the team. I mean, he is just sticky in coverage, and he reads the ball really well in the air. He's able to to knock a lot of passes down. It's going to be, you know, I think he's going to be one of those Swiss Army Knife guys that they can move around. He can play nickel, nickel if die. they want him to. If they're going to play base, he can play on the outside. That's just a guy that you have to – he's got to be on the field somewhere. And I think that the Nebraska coaches get that. You know, Daniel Davey, Jonathan Rose, two other players expected to play. Chris Jones tweeting about a potential injury or setback. We don't have any official details on that, but um, it's a talented group. Um, physical bodies, Robin, I'm just curious kind of what they do with some of these veterans like Davey and Rose and, and what their roles are going to be. Well, I think Davey's going to be a starter for one, but Jonathan Rose is right now, uh, from what we've seen, when they go to the nickel, the other starting corner when Kalu moves into that nickel spot. So, I, you know, I think that, that that veteran experience is going to, you know, benefit those older guys just when it comes to you know, the tiebreakers. But uh, with the depth at, at that defensive backfield is as good as it's been in a long, long time and just top to bottom. 
bottom. Uh, there are so many guys that could play right now. And, uh, you know, Brian Stewart and Mark Banker, you know, have uh, the, both the easiest and hardest jobs, I think, on that team of trying to decide which one of those guys to put on the field. You know, let's go now to the safety spot. We know Nathan Gary is a starter and maybe one of the top guys on this defense with Malik Collins. But next to him, Byerson Cockrell looks to be the starter. But Nate, I want to throw one of the true freshmen out that, that has shown ability, um, Antonio Reed, nicknamed Ed Reed, uh, like the Miami Hurricanes uh, in former Baltimore Ravens safety. Um, do you think Antonio Reed could be on the field in some capacity this fall? I think he could be on that field in some capacity. You know, just physically, uh, he's as good-looking as, as anybody uh, out of that position group, uh, you know, and, and certainly has an opportunity to contribute on special teams, if nothing else. Um, you know, and Aaron Williams is another true freshman that was in, in the, you know, graduated Two early. Two good-looking guys. Yeah, and, I mean, both those guys, um, I, I think that we'll see both those guys playing, um, being on the field this fall, and uh, two really good-looking safeties for, for Nebraska back there. Well, the defense is coming together. Obviously, much more left, though, here in fall camp. When we come back here on the podcast, we'll shift over to our fall camp stock report and give our thoughts on players maybe trending up and trending down. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Coach, you're down a number of guys at receiver. How are some of these younger players like Stanley Morgan taking advantage of the reps that they're getting with the, the top unit? I think the guys are all taking advantage of the reps, and I think Stanley Morgan has really taken advantage of it. I think he's been very impressive for a young player, and uh, LeVan Alston has made some plays, gotten a lot of extra turns. and The bad part about the receiver deal is really slowed down how I intended to do the practices. I really wanted two fields going. It really limits the reps for the third and fourth string guys. Back here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus as we move into our fall camp stock report as we talk about maybe players trending up, trending down. And I want to start with a guy that we all agree is trending up, and we're going to move through this here. Uh, but Stanley Morgan, uh, the, the freshman wide receiver, um, out of Louisiana, four-star guy. It's amazing, Nate. Nebraska got Stanley Morgan out of the SEC uh, without an SEC team getting an official visit. When you see what this kid's doing right now, oh, absolutely. You know the the competition was uh, was fierce for Stanley Morgan, but uh, Nebraska was there kind of at the right time, uh, time at, you know just right time and place really uh, to to get him, got him on campus, um, you know locked him up, and and you know even going back to his film as a true freshman, you know he showed you kind of what what he could do, and um, you know from talking with Keith Williams, it's not a surprise because Keith Williams actually. Um, you know, was coached by by Curtis Johnson, the head coach at Tulane, uh, and Stanley Morgan's uh, receivers coach in high school was also coached uh, by a player who played for Curtis Johnson. So, uh, the, a lot of the same fundamentals, uh, the same concepts as a receiver. Uh, Stanley Morgan was already comfortable with all that coming in, and, and he's really shown that that he's a playmaker. Sticking on the offense, stock up. Um, let, let's go over to the uh, running back position, Robin Mikael Wilbon. Uh, we talked about his emergence earlier, but he's definitely on the rise yeah yeah i mean it's just his ability just to make plays uh, sometimes out of nothing uh, like i said before uh his bounce to the outside uh, sometimes we've seen a couple zone read plays where uh, normally you know one of the backs would just kind of run into the back of a lineman or get caught up in the in the scrum so to speak mobon's able to have that vision to find a way to to kick it out to the outside and we've seen him reel off some uh, not only long runs but runs that would be touchdowns from a long way away and more importantly once he gets outside 
side, he has deceptive breakaway speed that he's able to outrun some defensive backs that, uh, you know, otherwise would probably catch some slower backs. And now on the offensive line, we've talked about just some position battles, and I think it's been refreshing and exciting to see a new young guy emerge like Nick Gates, Dan, and uh, he's definitely on the rise. Oh, there's without a doubt. I mean, this is a guy that I think the coaching staff looked at and really wanted to get on the field in some capacity. In the spring, we saw him practicing at just about every position. He seems to have kind of settled in at that right tackle spot, and he's given Zach Stirrup a run for his money. Like you mentioned, I like that the coaching staff isn't just kind of deferring to the veterans and saying, well, you know, Zach, you've started for the past, you know, at least last season, past year and a half, whatever it is. Uh, you're going to be our guy. They're opening it up and saying the best guy is going to win, and right now that might be Nick Gates. And Nate, another guy on that offensive line who's had a good camp on the rise is Chungo Gondola. And I almost feel like he should have been starting a year ago, whether over Jay Cotton or Mark Pellini. Um, to me, this guy's better. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, just uh, his physical tools. Um, you know, he, he brings a lot more to the table than than either what either one of those guys did last year. Uh, but uh, he, he's really solidified himself now as as probably you know maybe the the main guy on that offensive line outside of Alex Lewis that, that has a spot locked up and um, and he's been good. You know, he's got the task of going against Malik Collins every single day. And um, you know, while Malik Collins is a is a handful, I mean, Chongo has has more than held his own. I think. I'll, th- I'll throw Drew Brown out there, stock up. Um, he- he's held on. That you know, Bruce Reed basically brought in Jamie Sutcliffe to try to take his job. Well, Bruce Reed, this is not a competition right now. Drew Brown, I think, is the guy. Yeah, and what's most uh, reassuring, you know, from what I've seen, is Drew Brown's leg strength seems to have gotten significantly better than it was a year ago. Uh, I saw him in practice; he was nailing, you know, kicks from forty-seven yards out with ease. That probably would have been good for from fifty plus. So he's got that kind of leg strength now. And again, I think this competition probably uh, maybe kicked it into gear a little bit for him and has really elevated his play. You're listening to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Let's move over now to to maybe stock down guys that we just. Haven't had maybe those moments yet in camp. And Adam Taylor, I think every single one of us has has thought this guy is going to emerge. But thus far in camp, we just haven't seen it, Nate. Yeah, you know, and it's not that he's playing poorly. Uh, he's had a few moments here and there where where he's had some nice runs. He just uh, he just hasn't you know grasps that grasps that that uh, you know that main opportunity or, or really caught your eye and made you go wow. Uh, you know he's he's going to be pushing for time. Uh, it's still early in camp. He could still do it, but you know at this point uh, he hasn't you know necessarily produced quite like I thought he may. And Dan, another running back, Amani Cross, uh, a guy with the most yards and carries on this roster, uh, but just hasn't shown it stocked down for Amani Cross. I think that was one of the guys with this new coaching staff that didn't have any allegiances to him, was kind of in trouble this whole time, especially with these other talented running backs in the room now. Uh, You know, kind of wondered maybe if some of his time would dip, and I think we've seen that with Terrell Newby and Mikhail Wilbon kind of taking – what I would say would be the lion's share of the first team rep so far. And Imani's still getting some some plays here and there, but he hasn't exactly done anything to stand out and earn more. Robin, wide receiver health has been a big stock down as far as just practice in general and, and what they've been able to do. Yeah, I guess the one good news in that is that they're all minor, muscle-related injuries, you know, hamstring 
cramps, strains, pulls. The, the, the fancy camp word is a soft tissue. Yes, so, soft tissue injury. Yes. So, you know, it's nothing that's going to keep these guys off the field come game day. And again, like we talked about, it, it may be a blessing in disguise because they have uh, some, you know, up and coming young wide receivers that are getting far more reps than they otherwise would get with those guys in there. And uh, sure, it's kind of hindered the quarterback play a little bit, not having, you know, those guys they, they have chemistry with on the field. But in, in the end, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's going to be anything too detrimental another guy we mentioned we've talked offensive line but Zach Stirrup just hasn't shown it yet and you know he had a knee surgery he, he just hasn't had that same bend Nate and athletic ability on the right side um, and, and just hasn't been effective and, and you hope Zach can get it going here because um, you know he's, he's been effective when healthy but hasn't shown it yet yeah, I mean his size um, is is unbelievable, um, but but what he's been kind of lacking is that bend, that foot speed. Uh, I think that he's just been a little stiff on that other side, and um, you know, and you know that's why when I was talking about Nick Gates mentioning his athleticism, I think that's what's kind of given Gates uh, kind of the edge right now. Any other guys you want to throw out that we haven't hit on? Stock up, stock down. That's a good question. Uh, you know, I think that the again we talked about Jordan Stevenson. I'll, I'll throw him in there one more time, uh, just because uh, once he loses that weight and gets into you know Division One playing shape, uh, he's got that one just that that special factor to him that not a lot of the other guys in that group have. Stock up, practice music or stock down. It's it, hit and miss. <laughs> it, it's so over the board. Like we've never had it in recent years where you can go from a rap song to old, old school rock to country like three in a row I mean mm. it is all over the board the players seem to like the rap quite a bit more especially those yeah. defensive backs they you get, get the, into it you get the dance parties going when the, the future and uh, Rick Ross come on but the offensive linemen like it when Metallica's Seek and Destroy comes on so you, you gotta cater to different groups on that team and they're keeping the practice DJ around. I know uh, that was something you didn't know for sure, but there is still very much practice music going on. But, guys, this was fun. Robin um, and Dan, thanks very much. We'll have definitely more coverage on the site throughout fall camp here as it will be another busy week uh, with Nebraska now in full pads. We come back here on the podcast. Nate Klaus and I will close the show giving you the latest in Husker recruiting. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the HuskerOnline.com podcast, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk Husker recruiting, Nate. And uh, when we close the show here, um, you know, I want to start off with Terry Wilson, the quarterback recruit for Nebraska. We've talked a lot about him on this podcast since we've started the show. And more news of Terry Wilson, and I think the big thing is Oregon. When will that visit happen, and, and what is your read on the situation now? Well, Terry Wilson has, you know, shuffled up his visit dates, um, you know, to Nebraska and Oregon. Uh, he's moved the, the initial, uh, you know, visit to Oregon up now. That'll now be his number one visit uh, for September 5th. He'll be heading out there to, to see the home opener. And, and really, he said he wanted to do that. Um, that way he could spend, you know, the full weekend uh, with the coaching staff up there and see everything, um, you know, really utilize that whole 48 hours of his official visit and he's going to be you know keeping his
his uh, Nebraska visit for that next weekend, September 12th. Um, and, and kind of the same story, you know, he's got a Thursday night game, so that'll allow him to get on campus uh, for Friday, really maximize that whole 48-hour uh, visit and spend a lot, awful be, lot of time with, be with the, the team at the hotel. Yeah, be with the team, sit in on all the meetings, and, and just spend more time with the coaching staff and everything. And, um, you know, and, and I think it's, you know, my read on everything is that, that Terry Wilson is very much considering Oregon, uh, still really high on Nebraska, and that he he's wants these, wants to get these two visits out of the way early on so that he doesn't string this process along. You know, he's not the type of kid I don't think that, that uh, you know, ever really intended to, to even be in this position. I think that uh, Oregon has done a really good job of, you know, planting some seeds of doubt uh, into the whole process and, and kind of, you know, needling their way in here. But he doesn't want to drag it out any longer than it needs to be. And I think that, uh, you know, we'll all know, you know, what Terry Wilson's doing, you know, uh, by middle of September, end of September. The good thing is Nebraska obviously has Patrick O'Brien, so they do have one quarterback in the boat. Uh, but, yeah, I think when you look at where this offense is going, you want to have two quality ones because hopefully one of these two guys will be that quarterback that can put Nebraska in contention for the Big Ten championship. Uh, Nate, when we move on and, and talk other storylines here, uh, there's been a, a new commit for 2018. And not a surprise at all, when you and I saw Cam Jurgens back in February, we both got in the car in Beatrice and said, well, this will be a Nebraska guy. And uh, it happened maybe a little sooner than we thought it was going to. Uh, but about as big of a no-brainer sophomore to be as you're ever going to find. Yeah, generally, you know, not a huge proponent of, of offering a kid before he's ever played a down of his sophomore season. But, you know, Cam Jurgens is the exception. You know, you just look at his uh, his athleticism, his build, uh, the way that he projects, and, uh, and his resume, his athletic resume to date, you know, is quite impressive. Being able to play varsity um, football and basketball as a state freshman. State champ in the yeah, shot. Yeah, go out and win a state championship uh, in the discus, um, place third in the shot. I mean, those are just things that, that uh, you don't see a freshman do very often. And uh, and then he came in and dominated two different sessions of Nebraska's football camp, you know, earned that offer. And, and uh, you know, when I talked with him after he made the decision, he said that he had a lot of family in town. They decided to come visit uh, for Nebraska's first, uh, you know, fall practice and, and just decided to, to get it out of the way of because he knew that, that he was all in on the Huskers and he always wanted to be a Husker. And uh, there's no reason for him to prolong the process. Process. Unofficially, I think this might be the earliest an in-state player has ever been offered by Nebraska. I don't recall, and I've followed it for quite a while with in-state recruiting, a guy this young getting an offer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only guy that maybe may even come close could be a Barrett Rude. Maybe I'm not sure exactly when he got offered. Junior year still. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, this is probably the the earliest that it's that it's happened, at least in the modern era of, of You didn't recruiting. have to offer guys early back then. I yeah. mean, you, I, there wasn't the need to, to offer a guy in 2002 back in – you know, when they're sophomores. Yeah, it wasn't the the process wasn't as uh, expedited as it is now. Um, but uh, there's no doubt that he's a he's a, na- a no brainer. He's going to be a, a national type of recruit. So it's nice to have him locked up. Uh, and really, you know, he talked about um, being excited about the opportunity of, of recruiting other guys into Nebraska. You know, not just tw- other 2018 guys, but being involved. You know, in, in recruiting the 2016 class, 17 class, and so on. And uh, and you've already seen him. He he struck up a pretty good relationship with tight end commit uh, Jack Stoll in this 2016 class um, and uh, and he'll be an asset to, to be around the program for years to come. And he'll be around uh, a lot of practices <laughs> the next three years. Um, let's stay in state. Noah Fant he originally was going to make his decision in May then June. Now we're mid-August and he just visited Cal and UCLA. 
Uh, he's been to Vanderbilt. Um, he's put a lot of, obviously, time and resources into making these trips to Iowa, Nebraska, et cetera. When, what is your read? Do you think we'll have a decision or hear a decision from Noah Fant by Labor Day? Uh, my gut tells me no. Uh, I think that uh, more and more teams are, are still expressing interest. Uh, you've got a Notre Dame's you, in the mix. You've now. got a team like Notre Dame who's recently, you know, uh, you know, showed some some interest and, and is uh, talking about offering him, and and that's intriguing to Noah Fant, and uh, especially because you know they're they're a high academic, you know, high profile academic academic institution. So uh, and that's really I think what's going to play a major role in, in his overall decision. So uh, I think that we're going to end up seeing this kind of play out um, and and uh, you know go into some official visits and so on. And so forth you know and I could be wrong on that but at this point in time I think it's Nebraska Vanderbilt um, UCLA Cal uh, in Iowa you know kind of in the mix for some of those official visits and then any new offers could kind of change that up yeah it's a, it's kind of another Deshaun Neal situation um, very few kids in the in-state are going to do this but we saw it last year um, Nebraska has to be frustrated I know they are uh, but you know I don't think they're going to just blow this and 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 put the heat on them they might I think eventually they're going to have to say we need to know what you're going to do but I don't know when that's going to come yeah I don't know I don't know when you when you kind of you know want to put the clamps on so to speak and and um and do that uh but you know obviously Noah Fan is a high priority for for Nebraska you know you don't see the head coach of Nebraska personally recruit an in-state kid you know too often you know the head coach is always involved but Mike Riley has been the lead recruiter for Noah Fant and uh, and that tells you how much Nebraska wants him and and I think they were you know obviously they were hoping to, to get him you know wrapped up you know in the spring but this is kind of drug on and and uh, you know there's going to be a point in time though where I, I think Nebraska says hey look you know where where exactly are you at because we need to we need to kind of know and um, you know as their class kind of fills up and uh, spots become more and more limited you could see them do that here you know middle of season or, or towards for sure towards the end of the year and as we wrap up the show here Nate uh, what are the two or three things briefly uh, to watch here as far as announcements maybe potential visitors etc well uh, JD Spielman who's a, a slot receiver out of Eden Prairie Minnesota just visited Nebraska this past week uh, plans on making his announcement on Saturday, August fifteenth, and uh, you know, and I, I feel very confident that Nebraska is is probably going to be where where he commits to. Um, you know, it, it's between Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan, uh, in-state Minnesota, uh, Iowa State. So um, I think it's going to be Nebraska or Minnesota. Feel good about the Huskers' chances, and then C.J. Riley, who's a big six four, six five, hundred ninety five pound uh, receiver from Florida, has just recently announced his top three. It's Nebraska, NC State, and Duke. Uh, uh, he, he took an unofficial visit to, to Nebraska in mid-July, uh, really liked everything. And, and I think the X factor here with, uh, with C.J. Riley is the fact that both his parents played um, you know, college sports in Nebraska. I believe his mother was on the basketball team uh, at Nebraska at one point in time, finished her, her career at Peru State. Um, you know, so they're familiar with Nebraska, familiar with the lifestyle here. And, uh, and he obviously really likes Keith Williams, as most uh, receiver recruits do. So uh, look for those two guys to possibly be committing to Nebraska here in the coming weeks. Well, lots to cover here on the site with fall camp and recruiting. Nate, thanks again here uh, for sitting in here on, on another HuskerOnline.com podcast. Always a lot of fun. Make sure you stay on HuskerOnline.com to keep up with the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 